Hey guys, welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I am Maggie Ulmer, and on today's episode, Emma Winchester and I sit down with Matt, and we interview him about his testimony and his journey in ministry. It's a fascinating story with a lot of twists and turns, and there's a lot of humor, and of course, because it's Matt, there are definitely tears. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And at the end of this episode, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maggie Elmer, and I'm sitting here with two lovely people. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Emma Winchester. Matt Reynolds. And Tony is not with us today. He is off doing other things. But today we get to do something really fun. Don't you think, Emma? Yep. Yeah. I actually don't think it's that fun. Well, no one's asking you. (laughs) So we get to interview Matt Reynolds today. We're going to talk about Matt's testimony. Yay! Yay! Yeah. So all of us have done this and Matt has... uh, I've avoided it for a while. Yeah, you have really slipped by, but today is the day. Today is the day. So Matt, when did it all start? When did it all start for you? Uh. Well, <laughs> I don't actually remember that day. You ought to talk to my parents. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, you have this ministry, Spirit and Truth, and there we've heard the Genesis story of this, but I've heard bits and pieces of how you came to Christ, and I've always had a lot of questions because one of them is you came to Christ at a very young age like you had an awareness of calling at a very young age yeah for me it started um my journey with christ when i was really young my um you know i grew up in a fairly typical kind of household we had our share of dysfunction and um you know issues growing up but one thing that my parents did that i'm so grateful for is that they started taking us to church from the time that I was born. And so um, I got involved in a United Methodist congregation in uh, Pickwell, Ohio, where I grew up. And from as long as I can remember. And that community over time shaped me. Um, My first recollection of kind of having a decision of faith was in second grade. And... um, I was in Mrs. Dorman's Sunday school class, and it was a typical kind of Sunday morning class for for kids that age. And I don't I don't really remember much about it, but I just know there was one Sunday morning where she explained kind of a basic gospel message and said that Jesus wanted to be a part of our life and like you know that we could open ourselves up to that and um, invite Jesus into our hearts. And so I did. And I didn't understand the full consequence of it, but I I knew even then, uh, I just had a sense that God was real, and I I wanted Him to be a big part of my life, and um, and then things really kind of took off for me in sixth grade. Uh, we had a really dynamic youth program in that church, like um, tons and tons of kids involved, not just from the church but from the community, and it was just I was you were allowed to join it in sixth grade. And I was super excited about that and 
counting down the days till I could be in the youth program. And I mean, I guess I was a pretty big dork, but um, I was so pumped. And then when I got into the youth program, I um, started having some experiences. I went to some conferences, for example, uh, Acquire the Fire was like a huge deal back then. And mm-hmm. so I remember going to my first Acquire the Fire conference in sixth grade and it had a huge impact on me. Like I just saw thousands of teenagers who were excited about Jesus and you know, they were pretty intense in their message there about just kind of a call to discipleship with Jesus. And it was in that time, that sixth grade, that first year of youth group, when I first started feeling called to um, ministry, to eventually, you know, become a pastor or something like that. I didn't really have great categories for it, but um, that's when I started sensing that. So when you say that you felt a call to ministry, can you unpack that a little bit more? Like, what what are the specifics of yeah. that? Well, for me, I've always been kind of a rational person, like just kind of logically tried to think through things. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> We're aware. Uh, so in my head, I, it was something like this, I think. You know, I don't, I don't remember my middle school years all that well, but what I kind of remember is the sense of, okay, if God is real... And Jesus is who he says he is. And this is this is the key to all eternity. Mm. Why would I spend my time doing anything else other than telling people about this? Wow. Like, what could possibly be more important with the rest of my life than that? If this is, if we actually believe what we say, like, I don't, I can't imagine doing something else. And there's this this growing conviction inside of me. And that kind of brewed inside of me throughout middle school. And then I was in um, ninth grade. So I had this internal, it was like a, it sounds bad, but it wasn't bad. It was just like mounting pressure inside of me that I felt this conviction that God was asking me to do something. Mm. And um, I was at a, summer camp a uh, church camp in ninth grade and there was a um, an outdoor worship service and at the end there was an opportunity to come forward and pray at the altar and the invitation wasn't anything to do with going into vocational ministry or anything like that the message I still remember it was about uh, Jesus the Lamb of God and it was talking about the sacrifice of Christ and the comparisons of sort of the Old Testament sacrificial system into how Jesus perfectly satisfied, you know, mm-hmm. which is a pretty intense topic for kids at a church camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was like something about the weight of it. I mean, because you're really talking about the gospel. Yeah. Right. Something about it, it just, it. I came to a place of just like this thing that I've been feeling I have to give into it like I can't it's almost painful not to give into it yeah and so I went forward and I knelt down at this altar on actually on the ground outside because it was out in the woods and um and I just prayed a prayer of commitment that that night in ninth grade like uh Lord I don't even know exactly what it means or what it will look like but for the rest of my life I'll do whatever you ask and um you know, I'll give you everything. And so in some ways I've said before, um, you know, as I sit here now, 
sort of middle-aged and you know, done a variety of different things over the years, um, you know, my whole life has been an attempt to just try to stay faithful to what I told the Lord in ninth grade. It's all, it kind of all goes back to that prayer. And some days, there's been times in my life where I've gotten, you know, frustrated or, you know, angry or wanting to do something different. And somehow the Lord always takes me back to that moment. And I remember the vow that I made. And I decide to press on. Well, so you make a, a promise to the Lord in ninth grade. So, I mean, what is the next day like? <laughs> I mean, that's a major watershed kind of moment in a person's mm-hmm. life. So then you wake up the next day and you're like, what do I do? What's I next? Didn't, yeah. Well, I talked to some people at the camp. There's a couple of pastors there and I talked to them about it and they're very encouraging. And um, I had practical questions about like, well, what do I, how do I do this? Like, what do I do with school and stuff like that? And I got some advice from the different leaders that were there. And actually the next, I think it was the next day we had, um, I, I sort of, in a weird way, I kind of preached my first sermon in some sense. It was not exactly a sermon, but they had a, um, they had an, like an, this gathering in this, I can see the room right now. There's a lot of windows around the outside and whatever, a couple hundred of the campers there all in this room, sitting around the perimeter of the room. And they had a microphone in the front center. And it was like a testimony time for people to share how Mm -hmm. God had moved throughout the camp. It was just like an open mic, which is kind of dangerous with a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. Um, been there, but, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said. I just remember that the conviction of God came over me and I felt this prompting that I needed to to share what the Lord had done in me. And I, you know, I just, um, yeah, I just went up and I just kind of delivered a mini talk. And then <laughs> uh, there was a lot of response from the other students. And yeah, I remember one guy that was like real tough and uh hadn't sort of exhibited much um, throughout the week, uh, was teared up a little bit and came and thanked me and all these things. It was just an interesting, it was an interesting experience. It was like my first experience of seeing God move in that kind of way. It was like a little snippet of God, like being like, if you do what I say, like I'll, I will work through you. I'll, I'll use you and it will impact other people. And um, I got to see that the very next day. So it was pretty cool. Wow, that's awesome. Do you have any questions, Emma? Yeah, I mean, so that was ninth grade. Yeah. Right? Okay, yep. so so there's a lot of time so between. So it was a couple years between then and now. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so what happens next? Well, in high school, I feel like after that, my faith really just continued to blossom. I was mentored by some really wonderful people. And at the same time, you know, things in my house were pretty rocky, and my parents' marriage was falling apart. And, but it's just the grace of God because in the midst of some of the hardest times of my life from a family standpoint, it was some of the best times of my life, like in a spiritual growth standpoint, because the church just came around me. And, um, you know, I've shared testimonies before about Mr. Zekman. He was a guy in our church Mm -hmm. who, after that camp, 
he heard about the decision that I had shared and that was what prompted him to invite me to breakfast and then he ended up taking me to breakfast as kind of a mentor for years and then my youth pastor and I had a couple over the time that were extremely impactful I had a guy uh, named Brian Kramer who was um who was my Bible study leader in high school who shaped me and so God just shaped me a lot during that time and I started getting really involved with leadership I helped to lead the youth program um I helped to run a breakfast club Bible study in our school I started getting more uh, passionate about sharing my faith with others and so all that stuff kind of took off and then um when I was when I went to college I got super involved with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, and I started leading in that ministry as a freshman in college, and I don't know, there's so many things along the way, but God just kept using these different stops along the way to, to add understanding, and sometimes me trying things and failing, and just teaching me along the way, new relationships. You know, there were some people in college that kind of opened my eyes to a whole world of Christianity that I didn't know outside of the little bubble that I grew up in and just it's really interesting things that God has just taken me along this path until eventually I I ended up in my first full-time ministry job when I was a uh, actually I was still in college I was um, 20 years old and uh, offered a youth ministry job when I was a junior in college Mm. and I've been working for the church ever since in some capacity wow so now, Emma and I, we've, we've spent several hours in cars with you, so <laughs> we have the benefit of knowing certain details about your story. Oh, now, boy. when you were in college, though, you weren't studying, like, Bible. No. You no, s- I got a mechanical engineering degree. Yeah, so you were studying mechanical engineering. You know how that actually I, I that started? I want to hear how that yeah. happened, yeah. When I was at that uh, camp, okay. Not, the, the ninth grade The ninth camp? grade camp. <laughs> like... <laughs> I have a weird life. I When I was in ninth grade camp, after I made that decision, one of the first pastors that I talked to at that camp uh-huh. suggested to me, you know, if you're going to go to seminary, that's a master's program, You should, so you'll have to get a bachelor's degree. And actually, I would just recommend that you just get something. You're going to, seminaries don't assume you've been to Bible college, so you could just get it in some real world degree that interests you so that you kind of are more well-rounded. And honestly, I think as he I look like, back, he was like, look, kid, you need to fall you back need a if backup this doesn't plan. work out. Yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. <laughs> but I took that advice uh, seriously. And and I was like, you know, I was always a pretty academically minded kid. I was a very good student and I liked math and physics and it sounded fun. And so I just, fun. I just, if Wait, I was mechanical engineering sounded fun. Yeah, I liked that kind of stuff. That's awesome. And I just, you know, I was I was pretty good at that kind of thing. And so I just thought, hey, I'll just do that. And now in hindsight, about two-thirds of the way through, I had a moment where I was like, man, I could have done something a, a little bit easier than this. And <laughs> yeah. I, I could have had more free time instead of being in the lab all the time. But, uh, you know, I was at that point, I was so far in that it was good just to finish. And I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not sad about it. It's fine. Yeah. I But, yeah, that was my bachelor's degree. And then during that when i was finishing that degree is when i got when i started working for the church so now 
I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase conversations I feel like we've had as a group before. Now we've had conversations around sort of like your analytical nature and your you know your relationship with Christianity and faith and the practice of faith, and then how there have been things that have come in experiences that you've had that have sort of been like oh this is unexpected and different and out of my control yeah and i was just wondering if you would talk about your your entrance into the into the charismatic world yeah into the wilds of uh the crazy vatics (laughs) okay i don't know what i've shared publicly and what i haven't but um that's why I was vague. So, <laughs> well, I don't mind. I'll talk about any of it now. I think people already know I'm crazy. So, <laughs> um, actually, that goes back to high school. Also, <laughs> when I was when I was in high school, as a part of that youth program, they had a um, they went on a lot of amazing mission trips, mm. and so my ninth grade year, the same year of that church camp, I went on. Um, You know, it might have been the summer before or after. I can't remember. But I went on a two-week mission trip to Amsterdam. Oh, wow. Which. (laughs) You, like, cannonballed into Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I was, like. All in. I was all in. Yeah. That's kind of my thing. Like, I'm, like, I either don't do it or I'm all in. Yep. Not not a man of degrees. (laughs) No. (laughs) Just kind of go for it. Yeah. Uh, And so I did that. And then one summer, I think it was maybe the summer after my 10th grade year. I'm not sure. I went to on a trip to Monterey, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was a powerful experience. It was the first time I experienced real, you know, abject poverty. Like yeah. we worked in a slum neighborhood where the richest people had cinder block homes, yeah. and uh, other people were just living in shanties that were pieced together. And but I, the thing that impacted me is when I was there. This is kind of tangential, but I'm shared anyways. I experienced the power of God in some ways that I don't think I had before because I remember being in one of this little church that was kind of like our our hub church in the slum neighborhood. It was a trip through YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Yeah. And um, in this little church that has just little benches and like was so different than the church I grew up in, which was like, you know, typical North American church where we built a building with a gym in it and all of this stuff, you know, and media and all this stuff. And this was so plain. I'm pretty sure the floors were dirt. And um, so we're in this little church and um, the spirit of God just moved in such a powerful way. And the Christians there, the local Christians who were so poor, were so full of joy. Yeah. And it was like the power of God was there in a way that I didn't experience in my home church, which was a wonderful church. And I'm not disparaging, but I just experienced a reality of God's presence in a way that I was like, huh, like this, they don't have anything here. There's no band. There's no screens. There's nothing. And yet God is here. And I pray. I remember praying with this guy who I did not. He only spoke Spanish. I only spoke English. And he was, um, old enough you know he could have been my dad probably and we had a such a powerful time of prayer that like I think we were both moved to tears and it was just like I didn't understand the exact words that he was praying and yet I understood what he was praying you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying like yeah. wow. like it was just like this experience of 
like this Holy Spirit transcending our differences to sort of bring us to a place of unity in Christ. And it was just really beautiful. So I got home from that trip and we had gone with uh, some other church groups and I, I had made some friends from these other church groups and I drove up. Um, it must've been my junior year cause I was able to drive. So I drove up to visit some of these people. So just to, you know, when you're back from a trip, you're always like, yeah. Oh, we're going to stay in touch. And we're going to be besties yeah. forever. Yeah. So, and that lasts like, you know, for like two weeks. And <laughs> then, so, but I went to visit them, this other youth group and I don't know anything about it to this day. I couldn't get you there. If I had to, but it was in Northwest Ohio and it was in a barn. They were meeting the ch- the youth group met in a barn. And it, but it was like a converted barn into a like a youth center, you know what I mean? And we had I just during this intense time of prayer um and I think in retrospect that that church was more charismatic. And I didn't yeah. know, I had no categories. You didn't know, you were like I didn't sure. know. But all I know is that without me having any framework for what was happening, or teaching about it or anything. I had zero understanding of anything. In that time of prayer, all of a sudden, stuff just kind of started coming out of my mouth. And I started praying in tongues. And I didn't, um, now I didn't tell anyone this for years. I I didn't tell anyone this (laughs) until actually like not that long ago, several years ago, the first time I ever shared this publicly. Uh, because I didn't have, I didn't grow up in a circle where this thing yeah. happened. Yeah. And I thought people would think I was a total that you were aware of. freak. <clears throat> yes. And so uh, it just happened with zero training or context. No one was praying that that would happen to me. It just happened. That's the sovereign act of God. And I had to go and ask people and try to read stuff and learn what it was. Because I didn't even, I didn't even know that's what it was. Mm-hmm. But I knew I knew God was there. I could sense his nearness and I just felt the power of God come over me. So that was the beginning of me sort of starting to have experiences that were bigger than what I could just explain sort of with just natural means. And I'm so grateful for that because as a pretty sort of logical, rational type of person, you know, engineering degree kind of person, I think if it not for the sovereign act of God that would broke in and revealed his power in a way that I wasn't expecting, that I couldn't think my way out of, I'm not sure as my life went on that I would have been open to so many of the other th- ways that God has moved through the prophetic, um, f- seeing people receive healing, all kinds of stuff. You know, supernatural stuff that I've experienced since then, I think I would have tried to, I could have easily become a person who was not just um, not believing, but also like critical of that. I could have seen myself becoming that if not having had some of the experiences early on that opened me up to the reality that God can do things that we can't explain. Yeah. God is so gracious that way. The way that he will with so much love destroy our categories in a yeah. way that yeah. that leads us to a place of, uh, of what's more safe. Like we often create categories because we're looking for safety and security and the Lord's like, nah, that's not going to actually help you out. You know, just to give you like kind of an example of just the way it is my personality and things. 
later on, I think it was in college, uh, my best friend growing up uh, that I roomed with in, in college, um, also a very rational, logical kind of mind, um, I had shared with him about this experience and some of my supernatural encounters. And he, at one point, told me, you know, Matt, you're the, actually the only reason that I believe that this stuff is real because I know how you are and you would <laughs> never, like you just, yeah. you, you would mm-hmm. never make this up. Like this is not normal for you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Now, since then, I like, you know, I, I think he has, he's in a different place in his life. He's probably more open to that or, you know, mm-hmm. had other, he would have other reasons at this point uh, to, to think differently about that. But at the time, just to, that's, Such that's kind witness of, to him. Yeah, yeah, where I was at because that's, it's not the kind of thing that I would have ever wanted. In fact, mm-hmm. I was like kind of like embarrassed about it yeah, because of my, you know, kind of reserved personality. Right. So you get your first job in full-time ministry. You're in school. Yeah. Tell us what's next. So I, um, yeah, I started working as a youth pastor and then for a season, I was also a worship leader. What? <laughs> I, I didn't this. know that. Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> so I, yeah, that's Open kind of crazy. Eyes of my heart. That's right. Yeah. I did that song plenty that was of times. That, it was that era. God of Wonders, mm-hmm. all of it. Better is one day. Oh, no wonder we listen to those songs in the car. All the classics. Yes. All the time. Yeah. Throw in a little DC talk and we're all good to go. Um yeah. Emma Praise doesn't God. even know. I have no idea who <laughs> that is. is. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. Anyways, uh, man, 90s Christian music. It's so good. It's killer. <laughs> Love it. Jars of Clay. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman. Mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine with good old Stevie. All right. Um, I was more like audio adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, you're a little bit younger than I am too. What was I going to say? Oh yeah. So I started, well, that's random. I, I started learning the guitar because that's what you do when you're a youth pastor. Cause you want to like lead some worship songs. Sure. And so I learned the guitar. Then the church needed a worship leader. So I did that for a year or two, like as an interim thing. But then eventually I had to quit it because it I was like, this is not interim like, anymore. This is so far from my universe. I really yeah. need to. I was like, this is not my calling, but you know, I could kind of yeah. go with it. Yeah. And um, then I became a director of discipleship for that church. And I oversaw like all the adult small groups and all that kind of stuff. And I get really passionate about disciple making. And that kind of goes back to some of the things that, you know, how Tony and I ha- share some similar passions around that. Cause that all, in that season, I started really digging into how our disciples made and what's the, how does this work and all of this stuff. So, um, yeah. And then I, because of how I am, I, I was, I felt called to, um, pursue credentialed or ordained ministry in some capacity. I didn't feel called to stay just like non-denominational. So I wanted to get some credentialing and I ended up um, feeling I, I, <laughs> I made a spreadsheet <laughs> because that's how I am of all these denominations. And I met with different denominational leaders and I did all this research. Oh, Have you never gosh. heard this? No. And then eventually <laughs> yeah. I was in this prayer. All tracks I was in prayer so one well. day and the Lord was like, why are you running away from 
the tradition that shaped you. And Mm -hmm. so I felt really called somewhat against my will uh, to actually was against my will back into the Methodist world. If you would have talked to me earlier in my life, there was when I was in high school, I said, I'm called to ministry, but there's two things I'll never do. I'll never be a youth pastor and I'm never going to be a United Methodist pastor. And Ha-ha. God laughed at me, and then yeah. I became both of those things. <laughs> awesome. So, because it turns out, you actually, you don't know everything when you're 17 years old. <laughs> no, you don't. Sure enough. <laughs> uh, now I have a teenager, and I'm realizing just how stupid I was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, it's so true, though. It's true. And this, the stupidity, it lasts for so long. <laughs> well into your 20s anyway though well anyways so uh here i am <laughs> okay. i did it i did my master's degree at asbury theological seminary no, and wait, wait we have to pause because w- there's some things that happened what you will you met heidi oh yeah that's good i did i met my wife in the same yeah. Like I actually met her before I became the youth pastor there. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like I was that's like, a crazy story, but I can't tell all of these crazy stories. I'll take uh, this. This can't be a two-hour podcast. No, it doesn't need to be. But I mean, you have to talk about getting married because Heidi is so much a part oh, of. Yeah. No, she's she's been the rock of our family for you know, gosh, how many years now? Eighteen years or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I met her in a small group this summer. I was home for the summer and I met her yeah, through my aunt in a small group and God just brought us together and I knew we started dating right before I went back to school and And by school you mean undergraduate. Undergraduate. Yeah. My I, junior year of college and I went back to OU, Ohio University. And we dated from a distance and I'd, you know, whatever, we'd like meet up and have dinner in Columbus and then I'd drive back to school and stuff like that. And then um, talk on the phone and we got engaged in January. I mean, we were, we dated for a few months. We got engaged. We, I knew like basically on the second date that this was just the right thing that God had brought us together. Yeah. And Did then, Heidi know this too, or was it? Yeah. She, the crazy thing is, she knew it before that. Okay. Okay. And so that's a. I don't. I can't get tell the whole thing. There's so many crazy things that happen in the season of my yeah. life. He could. Yeah. He just doesn't want to cry that much on a podcast. <laughs> it is a crazy, amazing God story how He brought us together. Yeah. And the way He wove all these things together, only God could do. And then I. So then I came home for the Christmas break. And I had started preaching at a pretty young age. When I was in high school, I started getting opportunities to fill in preaching different places. And when I was home for Christmas break, the church that I eventually worked at as a youth pastor asked me to do a four-week Advent series at their evening contemporary service. Mm. So I, it's the first time I'd ever done anything like that. I still don't really know why they asked me to do that. But I, I had really started to love this preaching and so I agreed to do that and while I was doing that the youth director announced that they were leaving and the pastor came and said I've been praying I think that you should apply to be the youth pastor and I was like 
no, that's not, you know, I, I'm that's gonna, I don't feel called to do that. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm not, I go to school three hours from here. I'm in my junior year, my engineering degree. I can't do that. And, um, I had the, those famous last words. Well, I'll pray about it. <laughs> and then God convicted me that I was supposed to do it. And I, um, transferred to Wright State, uh, in Dayton. And I was able to transfer in my junior year, middle of my junior year, not lose a single credit hour. Wow. And yeah, he just worked it all out. And then in the midst of that is when Heidi and I were getting very serious. And because God opened the way for that, um, we went ahead and got engaged rather than, I thought we would have to wait until I got done with school. We got married uh, later that year. And it's been a crazy ride ever since. Go team short engagement. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you know, you might as well just go for just it. Just do it. You know? Just do it. And um, it's been amazing. She's an amazing woman that I just can't really fathom what my life would have been like without without her. I mean, she is uh, she's one of the most devoted prayer warriors I've ever seen in my life. Like, let me give you an example for how diligent she is about her devotional life. Like, if we are traveling, like recently just this week because of early morning commitments she hadn't had time to finish her normal routine of the different devotionals and scripture that she reads and then this prayer journal and she keeps track of all of these things that she's praying for and so we're literally on the way to a baseball game in the evening and she has all of her stuff on her lap in the car and while the rest of us are tuned out and just goofing around she's like going through all of her uh devotionals and doing her normal prayer exercises in the car on the way to a baseball game that was 45 minutes away because something had messed up the normal morning routine that's how she is like she's not going to miss it not i've never seen her miss a day of prayer ever since i've known her that's like heidi is awesome yeah i mean like i that is not, <laughs> I, that's weird to me. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm committed to praying. I'm committed to the scripture, but like, yeah, she is she just, is. she's a rock. Mm-hmm. And that kind of devotion and prayer life has, it is, I think, a massive reason why we are where we are right now and why um, the Lord has given us so many unique opportunities because she has just kept us centered that has tremendous eternal consequences mm-hmm. yeah so okay well so we have this picture young matt young adult matt with heidi and you guys get married and there are a lot of fascinating interesting thing happens i i'm gonna fast forward a little bit sure <clears throat> talk about how spirit and truth came to be because that was a complete roll of the dice yeah, so I have shared this story quite a bit, but I know there's some people that maybe haven't heard it, and um, so I'll try to get just do a quick snapshot. I so I after I pastored, I was at that first church um, for five and a half, six years in those two different roles: um, first the half and half youth pastor discipleship. Then I was asked to be an associate pastor at a different church about an hour away, and so I. I'm our family moved and it was a wonderful time and 
within the first two years of being there, the pastor unexpectedly left, um, retired early, which the congregation wasn't anticipating. It was a very weird scenario as far as appointment season goes in the Methodist world. And at first I was asked to be the interim pastor, and then I became the senior pastor, and I ended up being there for a total of seven years. And over that time, you know, you know, I described earlier some of the fervor, like the sort of the spiritual fervor, like, mm-hmm. you know, that I felt like when I was in high school, I mean, I was doing mission trips where we were doing street evangelism. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was doing like kind of crazy stuff. And I, I'd always had this kind of a little bit of a radical edge when it, I was not at, I was very reserved as a person, but when it came to following Jesus, I was just like, to me, there was no halfway. It was like, I'm going to be all in. If this is real, I'm all in. And what happened is over time, this just happens in ministry. It, I lost some of that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like any big thing. It was more of like a slow creep. And it wasn't even that ministry was bad. You know what? I didn't have a moral failing. I didn't, nothing came crashing down. It wasn't, nothing bad happened. Actually, ministry was going well by uh, all earthly standards, by the way the church world judges you as far as people and dollars and all of the things. And, but I just could sense over those last years as a pastor, something in my own soul had grown somewhat cold. Like, I still believed it all, but, you know, I shared in a recent ep- episode about evangelism, I, I would have questions like, when was the last time I ever even talked to someone about Jesus outside the church? Right. Or, like, am I doing this because I really love it or because it's just my job, you know? Do I care more about people just keeping people happy so that they keep telling me that I'm a great pastor mm-hmm. or because I, I'm just burning to see the lost come to know Jesus. And those kind of things started to kind of eat at me. And even some of the um, sort of supernatural charismatic stuff that I'd experienced wasn't a regular part of my life. You know, I'd had these moments of breakthrough. I'd seen God move in miraculous ways, but I hadn't nurtured those gifts. I hadn't stayed in circles that nurtured those things. And so sort of the manifest presence of God just wasn't, something that was a part of my life and so I felt myself kind of get sucked into over a series of years kind of like pastor as CEO type of a mentality yeah like I'm running an organization and we're doing a lot of nice things and everyone's telling me I'm doing a great job and yet inside I feel like I'm losing it like losing the edge of why I started this in the first place yeah And it was in the midst of that kind of season in my life when God in his sovereign grace broke in again. And it was at 2016 New Room Conference. And I had been feeling that wrestling and that conviction. And I went to that conference and the Holy Spirit fell in a powerful way. And I just experienced the outpouring of the Spirit in a fresh way. I felt a sense of deep conviction. And I've shared that story a little bit before, but 
I made sort of another vow before the Lord. And when I was getting ready to leave, I, in the midst of a very intense time, I just said to the Lord, um, you know, plenty of tears, all this stuff. I just said, when I go home, I won't, it's not going to be the same anymore. Like I will, I'm, I will not just play a nice church game anymore because I, I, that's not what you called me to. That's not why I got into this. And I repented for the ways in which I had allowed myself to sort of fall into that trap. And it's so easy, you know, if you're, I just want to say to, if there's pastors that are listening to this, be honest with yourself because it, I feel like at some point in your ministry that happens to all of us in some form or fashion, one of the hardest places to stay a on fire Christian is in professional ministry because you can live in this delusion that you're living a spiritual life because all of the things that you're doing have spiritual overtones, but inside you're doing them as a job. And that's a dangerous place to be. And um, so in that moment, it was like, you know, I've said before, it was like something snapped inside of me. And it was just the grace of God just meeting me in my need in, in this wrestling that I'd been experiencing. And when I came home, things were different. And things changed in my ministry. Um, I called people to prayer because I wanted to see, my conviction is that I wanted to see God do things that we couldn't manufacture anymore. Like I, I, did, I didn't want to just keep doing stuff that the church could just plan and implement because we had people and money. And I wanted to see God move. And so we started to see that. In the midst of that, I encountered a, uh, a kind of revivalist ministry that did a lot of equipping with people on uh, disciple-making and evangelism. And I was not expecting it at all. Didn't want to do it, but I felt this deep conviction that God was calling me to step away from my traditional pastoral role. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it meant like practical things it meant like i was quitting my job my income i lived in a parsonage so we wouldn't have a place to live like i'd have to raise my own support like all none of it made sense on a practical level but god spoke so clearly and so overwhelmingly uh that i knew i had to do it and he also spoke to heidi and um made that confirmation through her and so together we agreed and so I quit my job and I became a missionary with that uh, ministry and it was really a learning season for me. It was also put me back in circles where people were expecting God to move in supernatural ways and just, you know, everything changed. And um, and then about six months or to a, a year into that, um, again, in a very unexpected, not ever a part of my plan kind of way, God gave me this vision to start a ministry within the Wesleyan Methodist kind of family, a renewal ministry that helped train people in back to the basics Christianity that focused on spirit-filled living and discipleship and evangelism because I could see I knew what I needed and how desperately I needed someone to kind of shake me out of my slumber yeah, and to get me back to what is at the heart of it all. And I felt this calling that God was saying, you know, I want you to help other people who are in that same place, you know? And honestly, you know, we, this is weird. I'm not even 
get into this, but we recently, you know, when we meet with these different pastors and we have these Zoom calls with people, sometimes you guys joke about like the, like, I just want to, I want. You want to help. I want to help. Every single person. And you know what? Like, I think I'm just realizing this. It's because I see myself. Yeah. And I'm like getting emotional thinking about it. But like, I know what it's like. I've been there when it's like you're doing all the stuff that everyone says you're supposed to do. And it's like you're trying so hard to be a good pastor. And inside, you're like dying. Yeah. And you just need someone to show you. Or it doesn't have to be big, but just someone to show you that, look, Christianity doesn't have to be a show. Mm-hmm. Like you can have the real thing yourself. And you can live that out in your pastoral ministry. And even if people don't immediately like it, you can still do it and and find joy mm-hmm. because it's the it's actually what God has called you to. Um, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about what is the because this this episode is testimonial in it, but in some senses, it's also just been kind of an interview of you know you've founded this ministry and this the beauty of it is that and we'll talk about this in future episodes, listeners, but this ministry is sort of growing beyond even this initial heart cry that you have. But what's at the core of it is really this testimony that you're talking about, which is because your testimony isn't like someone who's like, I was, you know, in the pit full of my sin and then God took me out. The Lord put you on a journey and your testimony really is what it means to be a heart that's on fire that grows cold and then is reignited and that pursues and maintains and sparks fire in other places it truly is a testimony of the renewal of the church yeah, yeah. of individuals in the church and and um um that's beautiful mm-hmm. that's good well you know what God is beautiful mm-hmm. and he's so graciously relentless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. And yeah. when you, he just never lets you go, you know? Mm-hmm. And even when you kind of walk away or you feel you don't, you know, do the things to stoke the fire, he just keeps pursuing you anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he draws you back and he wants to take you back to your first love, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I, yeah, I'm just so grateful to the Lord and his, and for his grace in my own life, you know, and I've seen, this isn't a criticism, but I've seen other pastors who have just slowly withered into that world of ministry as a business and the way that it just has sucked so much life for years and years. I'm so grateful. It hasn't been easy. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I, I still don't know what I'm doing most days, but (laughs) I'm just so grateful because I wouldn't trade. Like, even though I had in that time, I thought I was in my dream job and you know leading this wonderful church and it was it was awesome i would not trade anything that has happened because i feel alive well thank you matt yeah i am i'm encouraged yeah heck yeah i'm encouraged too yeah that's been our episode for today any parting thoughts matthew 
No. Yeah, I avoided this for a long time, and somehow you still made me cry in the midst of it. This is what I knew would happen. We did not make you cry. Yeah, don't blame me. You cry all on your own, sir. Um, Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's been our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we are an entirely donor-funded ministry. (laughs) As you might imagine. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And if you would like to support the mission and ministry of Spirit and Truth, which truly is, we want to see the church fully alive and on fire for Jesus, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash give. I I just want to add on to that because I I just want to give people this insight. Right now, I feel like God is doing something um, really important in the church and he he's awakening people to this desire to yeah. b- to be renewed to come back to the to the the first core love, of it all yeah. to the first love and um we're getting more invitations than we've ever had as a ministry to come and to help just spark these fires in churches and and to really to take people back to the basics of what the christian life is all about and so um in line with your ask, we can't go all of the places and do all of the things that God is laying before us without the support of yeah. uh, so many people. And so I want to say thank you to the churches and individuals who have allowed Spirit and Truth to exist to this point. And would you please prayerfully consider um, becoming one of our uh, financial supporters so that we can continue to carry this fire to more churches around the country? Yeah. So you can do that by going to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash give. And there you will find all of the information that you need. Thank you so much. Saying that we're grateful doesn't accurately describe how much we love you guys. We'll come back to you in the next conversation. Bye.